This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with two of my fantastic team members, Lauren Oxford, our Digital Communications Strategist, and Derek Konofalski, our Data and Technology Analyst, Digital Guru, as I like to call him. And we were going to get together and kind of talk about which I, what I think is really interesting. I've been getting a lot of questions from people about how we handle a lot of customer service in our department through the use of social media and 311. And I think it's really kind of an interesting evolution that's happening. Our department is very different than other communications departments. If you've listened to previous podcast episodes, you know this, that we have things like neighborhood and community outreach in our department. A lot of projects that you would normally see live in IT departments are in our department, and those include our open data portal, 311. And so this is really a great opportunity for us to collectively bring outreach together in one place and to be able to solidify and customize messages across our platforms and interact with our customers in ways that I think are really quite amazing when a lot of times we can even turn negative experiences that maybe our residents might have into positive ones. And so it's not just, as someone had said once, sitting on Twitter all day. Uh, it's a lot more than that. There's a lot of strategy that goes behind what we do on social media and on 311 and a lot of our responses and interactions with our residents. So Lauren, your title, as we know, as I mentioned, digital communication strategist, even though you're focused on managing more than 25 of our social channels, you really spend a lot of that time in strategy planning and messaging and a lot of responding to residents on a hourly basis really (laughs) yeah definitely I think so with the town our biggest focus is customer service so that really transitions over into social media so from our perspective we try to respond to any residents within an hour um, just because people are moving more towards that online communication. They don't want to have to pick up the phone to contact someone about a pothole. They want to be able to go on Twitter or Facebook and talk about um, that issue. And so when we respond within an hour, um, we're able to provide that customer service and get the ball rolling on that. And I love that. And for government, that's quite you know, a shock to some people, I think, wow, within an hour. However, you're right. That's the way the world moves. People put something out there, especially on social media, and they want to be acknowledged. And even if we don't have an answer for them right away, we acknowledge them and say, we're on this, we're looking into it. And I think that there's a lot of power in knowing that your government is there for you. We get a lot of feedback about that on 311. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's actually kind of a testament to how well Lauren is doing with not just the responses, but, you know, it's not just an empty response. She takes the action to connect people with the people that they need to connect to. And Melissa, our community outreach coordinator, she also on 311, as you mentioned, connects people all the time. And I think that it's it's just a kind of a testament to how good of a job you guys are doing because I see people reporting things that definitely should not be reported on 311 or like saying stuff that shouldn't be on social media that actually probably should be a phone call in some cases. But the exp- their previous experiences have been so good and they've gotten such a quick, fast, quote unquote, correct response that now like that's that's where they turn to. So, you know, they're, they're, hey, Lauren, (laughs) I agree. Hey, Lauren, come here, come, come fix the stuff in my house. Hey, Lauren, come here. Yeah. And one of the things that Lauren does oftentimes is she signs her name, which I think is really powerful too, because, you know, she'll respond back to a question or a concern or a comment and you personalize that 
interaction by signing Lauren and there's a person on the other end and sometimes people forget about that and I think what's really important about that is a lot of social media in cities and if you are listening and you're in an organization and you know maybe you haven't been able to make social media a priority or dedicate a full-time person to it which a lot of cities haven't done that and it's funny to me because I'll see cities with like multiple public information officers but no person dedicated to social media so it becomes this shared job that somebody does or maybe a combination of people do when they have time like on their lunch break they go through and they retweet everything and that's that's the best they can do because they do it as a side you know an an afterthought kind of to what their whole job is so they're not really focused on it and I think that that is one thing we've really been able to do and it's a consistent message because it's you Mm -hmm. on the other side of it it's not just somebody who's retweeting it's it's Lauren and so signing your name there and letting them know you're a person that's on you've got your eye on all issues that are happening across the town and you work in really close coordination with Melissa who Derek mentioned Mm -hmm. runs our 311 app and all of our neighborhood outreach which again in most cities is not in the communications department is not focused on online community engagement, but that with Nextdoor and her 311, that's really where we're focused on engaging. As you said, our top priority is that customer service, you know, interacting with our citizens. Yeah, I think just having myself dedicated to it helps a lot just because it makes it a lot more streamlined. You don't have to guess who's going to pick up um, a customer service issue. Um, That way I can be in contact with whoever I need to be from the town. And again, like you said, we get a wide range of different um, resident comments or um, questions, and I don't have all of the answers, but I've gotten to know a lot of people from the town, and I have built those relationships with those people. So if I need to like go back to someone and ask if I haven't heard something in a while just to check in. Um, they know they know me just from working here the past nine months, being able to build those relationships and getting back to the resident as soon as we can. When it goes back to the strategy, like your, your title isn't just social media person or social media team member. It's, you know, you're, you're a strategist. It's, it's that having that holistic view of everything. So being able to say, like, you know, look at all the different channels. What's a, where, where are you most effective with whatever messaging you're, you're putting out there? It's not just, oh, yeah. I, I love how Dana brings it up. Uh, and you've said it in previous episodes, but you know, the, the person that does the social media at lunch, that is like their, you know, it's their Mm -hmm. side gig or whatever. And you can tell because it's like for an hour a day, all this stuff goes up on social media and it's radio silence for the rest of the day. And it's, that is exactly what we know, being proactive, not reactive. And in order to be truly effective on social media, you have to be planning and thinking about, you know, what are those hashtag holidays? What are people talking about? What do they want to know? I always talk about attaching things to things that are going on nationally or in the world that are already garnering interest. How do you tack onto those things to grow the interest even more? And I think that that's really important. You are strategizing how we're getting information out on, a, on you know, a daily basis. Yeah. And I think some people might be confused why we do those hashtag holidays, but if you're doing fun, interactive videos and able to bring in that more informative side too, of just a message that we have that's important going out for Gilbert, more people are going to watch that content. And also you're going to build your following that way. So if there ever is like a situation where you need to get a message out to like for an emergency situation, you already have that follower base. Whereas if you're just putting out boring content all the time, you're not going to gain your audience that way. Yeah. It's weird. It's almost like a Pavlovian response. Like, like I'm going to check Gilbert's page every day or I'm going to, you know, check my Twitter feed and follow Gilbert so that I see 
you know, all this stuff. And when it's fun, like people go out and actively look for it. And then, like you said, if you need to put out an emergency message or some kind of important communication, like they're already in the habit of going and checking those messages. We're reaching thousands of people every day online and what we're able to do. And it's thousands and thousands more than actually turn out to vote in our elections. And we talk a lot about, you know, tracking that and voter engagement and public engagement and all and all around. And it is all connected. And I think it's just a really powerful missed opportunity for cities who do not engage this way because it's also more cost effective. So we talk a lot about, you know, the money that we save on mailers and, you know, my team is very small compared to what you'll see in other communications teams in other cities. And I would argue our output is even greater. And a lot of that is done with not huge budgets. And, you know, for us, and I know I've talked about this before, it can cost us 40 you know, thousand dollars to send a mailer to all of our residents and what we can do with online reach and, and even, you know, pay, even if you want to put a dollar a day behind some type of a post for a boost. Um, it's amazing because you can really track and see how many people can see it. And, you know, one of the things that I've heard recently is, well, what about your elderly population or your senior citizens? And I would argue that in the last six years, even since we started this strategy to kind of move away from the old school printing process and move towards, Um, you know, doing things strictly online is that, you know, even our senior citizens, our elderly population are more likely today for sure than they were even five years ago to pay a bill online. And they're, they're living their lives online. They're on Facebook. I mean, I think about my retired parents who spend probably more time on Facebook than I do. And so I think that that's really important to remember. Of course, every now and then for major citywide initiatives, we're still going to need to send a mailer Maybe. Isn't that the fastest growing demographic right now for, I think, Facebook? Pretty sure it's Facebook, but the fastest growing demographic right now is like senior citizens age 50. It's like 58 and and above that they're joining Facebook and they're starting to use this stuff faster than any other demographic. That's the super cool thing about social media, too, is that we have that data to look at. We can see what demographic we have of our followers. Um, So I think on Facebook right now, we have about 14 percent that are 55 or older. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas like Instagram, you're going to have a a younger follower base. Um, but yeah, I mean, with social media, you have that excess, whereas doing traditional marketing, you're kind of just putting information out there and you don't know who you're reaching. Yeah. And you do track all of that. So that's the part that you don't see, right? All of our followers and everyone else, they see all of the content that we churn out on a daily basis, but they don't see this again, the strategy that Derek Mm -hmm. was talking about behind the scenes. But one of the things that's really funny that you probably are now ingrained in doing this, but when I said something to you about a post a week or two ago and you said, oh yeah, that'll go out at 8.39 (laughs) a.m. And I was like, oh yeah, not 8.40, not 8.38. 8:39 a.m. and why why is that? Because you look closely at when our posts do best, yes, right? Yes, exactly. So we have a social media platform and reporting tool that we use called Sprout Social, um, and that allows us to have insight into when our audience is most engaging with our post. So we're able to kind of just use that to reach our audience when they're online. Yeah, and it goes back again to that planning and strategy. And you do need to put someone who's able to focus on that but is connected to the team, know what else is going on. A lot of times you're juggling a lot of things on your plate that you want to get out, but some of them might have to wait. You know, Maybe they'll do better on Monday morning. Um, we had a major jobs announcement. Um, Deloitte is bringing 2,500 jobs to Gilbert, and that was on a Friday. And not that it got lost in the weekend because it still got a lot of coverage, but then Monday morning we were able to do another push with a video and text 
text and try to kind of reach a new audience that may not have seen something go out on Friday. So it goes back to that strategy of you're always keeping an eye on how many people were engaging, what they're saying, and all of that. So it's not just, again, you know, responding to comments or questions or things like that, but thinking really carefully about. Yeah, and so we have to digital journalists that are dedicated full-time to creating video, and while they do an amazing job, we can't do videos every single day. Um, so being a being on social media, I have access to create graphics. Um, we have Zara, and she's able to create graphics, but not, again, every single day. So I use Canva, which is a great tool if you guys aren't using it, um, to just create images and different, it helps for different posts that we have going out. But having a variety of content on social media is a great way to reach, again, different audiences. So some people might be looking at the videos, whereas other people just want an image with a link. Um, so just trying to find different ways to reach people. And you do an amazing job of that. I personally played along with the dad jokes yesterday on Insta <laughs> Stories on Father's Day. So you do a, you're do you very, very creative. That's another piece we should really mention is, you know, it's keeping your content creative and engaging. And one of the things that you did for Father's Day yesterday was you had a, some Insta Stories that were some fun um, dad jokes that you could play along with and kind of follow through the story. And I love when you do that. And you always are thinking of new, in different ways to be reaching people and targeting them. We should mention, if you if you haven't heard this about Gilbert, but our demographic is quite young. Uh, our average age is 32, and 80,000 of our 250,000 residents are school-aged children. So we do have this amazing opportunity to be engaging online and on these platforms and kind of staying ahead of it. And it, and it is changing quickly. And I think that that's important because you might find um, in a year or two from now that you're not even using Insta stories anymore. Who knows what that Mm -hmm, platform will be. So being open and, you know, one, you stay on top of trends. So you're always having to, you know, keep up with what the latest platforms that are out there and how they're changing. And you're always sending to us like Nextdoor, for example, is now going to be letting us embed video, which is really exciting because we create so much video content. But that's also a lot of what you're doing is being sure that we're on the right platforms at the right times and all of that. Yeah, I know like Snapchat, um, a lot of the younger demographic is still using it, but we're not seeing nearly as many, as much engagement as we are on Insta stories. Mm -hmm. Um, So we still want to be there for the kids that are in high school and we want to reach them too, um, but we're not dedicating as much time as we would be with Instagram stories. So that's just like one example. I just want to point out too that I I think to your point with how quickly all this stuff is changing, like I know maybe people in other municipalities might think that this is very, um, you know, it's very daunting or there's like a, a huge... Uh, learning curve that you have to go through. I mean, it just, it might be intimidating for people to hear some of this stuff and think about like all the stuff that's running at them, but you can start really, really simply. Like maybe email is your speed and you know, you're just, you're used to sending emails out. You don't have a person that can do the, the bigger social media strategy. Go with a website like MailChimp that you can send out emails to people and they have similar scheduling tools where you can go in. I think MailChimp costs like $100 a year, if that, for the whole year. But you can still see like your engagement. When do people click on your emails? When you look at use those statistics and then use that to kind of grow that program. Start with email and then, you know, maybe have that person branch out into the, some of these social media platforms. You don't have to do everything at once and jump into it. You know, uh, it would be great if everybody could jump into it head first because that's where the rest of the world is. But, you know, I understand that that's not where everybody is already. So just like work your way to there, make the case for the people that you work with, make the case for your leadership and use the tools that are out there. 
most of them even have free versions. Like you were saying Canva. Canva has a free version that you can use. It doesn't cost you anything mm-hmm. to make this stuff. And you can track all that engagement with people. Yeah. Another thing that I think is really powerful about what we're able to do is turn negative experiences for residents into positive ones. And sometimes you would think, okay, people just want to come to social media to complain or get their grievances out or yell at their government and all of that. And and we're fine with that. You know, that's what we're here for. We want to hear if you have problems or issues. That's why we've created platforms like 311, an app where people can see a problem in the community, take a picture of it and send it in and we'll get it resolved for you. There are some people that that's the only activity on their social media accounts is complaining <laughs> to companies. To or sure. Yeah, that's sure. all they use it for. Yeah. Is and Southwest Airlines, yes. you did this. And, and you should like, know that that's, that is part of what you do for customer care and 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 that is part of what comes with social media and I hear oftentimes people say well what do you do you know what kind of policies do you have in place so that you you know can protect yourself from the negative feedback it's like guess what just kind of like we said with open data if those problems exist or 311 if those problems exist in our communities we need to know about them Mm -hmm. and we need to be able to fix them and we may have the data now to be able to say hey look we need more resources to help with whatever that problem is um because this is happening, right? Whether we like it or not. And I think a lot of times government, you know, just kind of either, you know, you feel like you don't have the resources to tackle the problems. And so you want to pretend they don't exist. And we're just welcoming them. You know, we want Gilbert to be and continue to be a vibrant community. And so we're very open to if if these issues are there in the community, we want to have an open dialogue with you and try to get them fixed so that you can live the best quality life you can in Gilbert. And I think that that's really important. And I know that you've turned some of our customers experiences and again it's not as Derek said picking up the phone you said you know calling in sending an email to someone waiting to see if anyone's ever going to respond not knowing if there's someone on the other end this is really something that we're able to provide for people our residents you know to help improve their lives so why don't you walk us through a few of the examples of you know times where we've seen customers come with a grievance or a problem and we've turned it into a positive experience cool yeah so there was one resident that reached out on twitter and he had a picture of his trash can in half yeah (laughs) and said our garbage man is freaking aggressive (laughs) so we used that as an opportunity and we responded again we tried to respond within an hour and said hi tim we're so sorry to hear about your trash bin if you direct message us your address we can get with our environmental services team to make sure you get a new one asap and he said i have one on the way thanks love this town um we said great to hear let us know if we can help you with anything else and he said i got one in three hours you guys are good so that was an awesome opportunity to turn something from being negative that's out there for everyone to see just how great our customer service is yeah, I love that. And I love it. And, you know, to know that there's people and, and human beings on the other side of these issues, but human beings that also want to help you and, you know, are here. And I think, you know, it's it can be just a really powerful experience when you get to help residents with problems that they have. And I think it's very rewarding. And when you can track it this way and that when it's public that other people can see those interactions, I think is really great. A lot of the feedback we get on 311 is just that, that people say, wow, my government's really working for me. Like this is, you know, shocking. Yeah. And I bet you, I bet you with his story too, 
you know, like think about the other side of that transaction. What probably happened is the garbage or recycling person or whoever came, picked up the bin, you know, threw it and it, it, maybe it fell out or it got tossed out or whatever that thing broke. I, I, I doubt that that person just like drove off and sped away like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I got to leave before somebody, you know, they probably knew that that trash can got broken or whatever. And so they probably sent a message back to somebody in environmental services and were like, hey, this trash can broke out here. We're probably going to get a request for a mm-hmm. new one or something, you know, like just that, that chain that feedback loop that we have just because the communication is open across everybody then sure enough we get a message from the resident like hey my trash can's broken and we're you know three it. three hours it's because you know that that whole chain is is open we're we're very open with both residents and our staff about like where that needs to go next so on the back end he probably wasn't even thinking about the guy that was driving you know all he said was oh he's freaking aggressive or whatever yeah maybe that's not the case <laughs> you know just stuff happens sometimes mm-hmm. But I bet or you that maybe person, it was. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was just super angry about that one specific trash bin and, you know, just wanted to throw it down. But the, the point is, is that, you know, that whole human interaction that happened on the other end, a person that sees their broken trash can doesn't really think about whether or not that person drove off afterwards and then did all that stuff. But we do, you know, and that's where, again, that whole yeah. holistic idea of, of everything comes in. Yeah, I think we there was someone, too, that had a water issue and we resolved it and they said faster than I could get a pizza delivered. And I thought that that yeah. was really awesome, too. You know, it was like in, I think it was 45 minutes or less. And so that's, you know, amazing example again of someone that had an issue and came looking for help online and we were able to provide it and give them a level of customer service that they thought was better than Pizza Hut. So I love it. There was one guy that reached out on Thanksgiving and I think if you don't have someone dedicated full time to checking social media, like they had a really frustrating situation where they were hosting people for Thanksgiving and they had the sewer smell coming up through their sinks. And so they reached out on Facebook and were talking about how frustrating it was, um, saying what on God's green earth is going on with this smell. Um, and so I responded to him saying that we, I'd check into it with our wastewater team. And he said, so sorry to bug you on Thanksgiving. Um, I figured no one would respond until Friday. Um, Several of my guests commented on it, and I was just frustrated, and it unhinged me. So even just from that first response... He was venting, even, too. Not not even expecting that someone would come and knowing it was Thanksgiving, but just wanted a place to vent about it. So I think, yes, that's a great example. Yeah, and then after that, I mean, he was so nice the whole time through, and I was just... As I say, you signed the response, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. I think providing a name makes it more human. I'm not just like a robot from the government talking Mm -hmm. to him. (laughs) So, yeah, it ended up being fine, and we took care of it. Um, Our team was able to provide some sort of thing in the sewer to make it smell better. I don't know. I don't know the whole thing, but uh, at the end of the day, he was just appreciative of having someone on the other end to help him. Happy customer. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I wonder what other municipalities, like the people that aren't on social media, and I would love, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to comment on Twitter or something, just just tag us in it. Like, like what are you doing if you're not on social media? How, do, how would you resolve these issues and what would that process look like? I'm really curious to see what the engagement process looks yeah. like when you can't get Well, I think it's involved. just that it's siloed. It's not in a coordinated place. It's probably just separated out in the various departments. And so the public works department, you know, is off on on their own dealing with their Mm -hmm. customer service issues that come in 
via whatever way it does versus us where for better and worse we kind of are the collective hub of all issues which is great because I think from you know we always kind of talk about ourselves as an agency of sorts that we're here to provide support to all of the departments across the town I think this is one of the main ways we do that is that coordinated messaging to know when issues rise you know rise up and we say oh okay this seems to be a common problem if if the organization is too siloed and you know public works is dealing with their issues over here in one spot and then maybe you know development services has your customer service teams over here and they're dealing with permitting issues or code violations but there's a disconnect there I think that's what happens in government organizations especially the larger the organization gets the more you know the larger those silos get Mm -hmm. and so there's kind of a disconnect and it's just that collective messaging in one place that I think is so key and so important and another reason why you know if you have different you know public information officers or marketing folks spread out throughout your organization and they're not collectively working together as a team on messaging you're going to have a disconnect and you know it's I've no, I noticed it when I worked at the university level at ASU it's such a large organization that you had a lot of you know competing messages coming out from different parts of the organization it was one of the first questions I had is where like where's the collective group that comes together to decide on what that brand is or what the messaging is around it and they're like well the tone the voice like you know you have to have that that one that's why I think with Lauren you know the voice of our social media presence is really Lauren's voice but you know she's acting on behalf of the town so everything collectively has that same tone to it it has that same friendly demeanor to it no matter where it comes from and yeah when you have silos then you have not only competing messages but competing tones and competing you know like just everything competes against everything else and how are people supposed to connect with it. So I also want people to know before we wrap up about how many people we are actually engaging online. So there's 250,000 people that live in Gilbert, um, a very, 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 very small portion of that that actually vote in our elections. And, uh, you know, think about public meetings and how many people come when you have a public meeting, or maybe it's an, an issue that's really important, like your regional park coming, and you want people to show up and you want their input and you, you know, you really do value that public feedback. So Lauren, give us a sense of how many people we're engaging online on average so for the, I was looking at the numbers for the past six months so this is just for the Gilbert main account so on Facebook LinkedIn Twitter and Instagram we've had over six million impressions um, so that's not necessarily wow. the number of people but it's the number of people that are a number of eyes that have seen our content And then something I thought was also pretty amazing is that we've had over 138,000 engagements. So that's anytime someone's interacting with a post, either commenting, sharing, liking. And those are, I think, are really most valuable because it shows that someone actually took the time to read through the post and interact. So just thinking about all of those people engaging with us in a way that they wouldn't be able to without social media, I think is like super incredible. So... Again, just another plug, if you guys aren't on social media, that's just an amazing opportunity to reach people that you aren't currently. Or follow us to see how to do it well. Lauren, you're awesome. And I really think there is, you know, this is the power of how we're going to be able to create a community that's still vibrant and thriving, you know, five or ten years from now, staying ahead of the curve and and you know, being in communication with our residents about their needs, their concerns, their problems. Like I said, warts and all, good and bad. Uh, we know we're, we're there for our customers, I think, in a way that no other city is. So that's, those are really amazing numbers. And we're always looking to grow those even further, you know, as we make a mark on, you know, around the country or even world 
um, about Gilbert, Arizona. It comes back to that philosophy of customer service. Like we're, we're, you know, employees of the people that we serve. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for joining today. Yes, <laughs> awesome. And just a reminder to our listeners that you can follow us on Twitter at GovGoneDigital. As Derek said, feel free to leave us comments or maybe give us some ideas about what you'd like to hear on our podcast episodes. We'd love to hear from you, and we will see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.